The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And today we're talking Christmas activities in Door County and probably the biggest Christmas activity in Door County going on the last couple of years and again this year is the Chris Kindle Market in Sister Bay at the corner of the Pass Museum just before you enter the village. And with me to talk about it is the kind of the main organizer behind the effort along with the Sister Bay Historical Society, John Nelson. Thanks for coming down here. You're coming up on the last weekend of Chris Kindle Market for this year, correct? Correct. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. December 8th, 9th, and 10th. And this has been going on. This will be the third weekend. And that's kind of the same schedule you've done the last couple of years, Thanksgiving and the next two. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And and we've, you know, all three weekends in the previous two years were busy. So continuing <laughs> yeah. on. Well, I made it down there this last Saturday. I took my kids and my wife and, and my dad over there. He wanted to check it out. And we had like a, a day-long Christmas kids <laughs> activity day. It was exhausting. We did the, the Kendall Park Playground which I'll have uh, Carrie Bauman on the podcast in the next couple of days to talk about the opening of that. That was really cool to see a ton of kids down there. Then we went and picked up a Christmas tree at Ottman's, got that home, and then once the kids were ready to go again, we took them out with Grandpa to uh, the Chris Kindle Market. It was a great day bouncing around, and it's pretty cool to see, you know, coming from where we were 20, 30 years ago, what December was like back then, which basically means like nothing. You maybe could have gotten the Christmas tree, but there was no cool playground. There was no Christmas in the market, and half the businesses were closed. Right? And there were there were a few small events. They would draw you know smaller crowds, but mm-hmm. uh, there was a few things. But now, yeah, it feels like uh, December is a happening month. Yeah, I mean, and kudos to you guys in the historical society for creating this whole event that's drawn thousands and giving people something to look forward to. Yeah, thank you for for saying that. And I want to acknowledge uh, the Sister Bay Board and especially Pipka Olvilden, who's since moved to Wauwatosa, who was kind of, uh, I would say, from the planning and the aesthetics and all that, kind of my mentor in what a Christmas market should be. And, I mean, she was all about authenticity. I just got a uh, message from someone today saying that he's been to uh, Christmas markets all over the world. In the United States, we are the second best, <laughs> which after three years, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did want to find out what's the first best since I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think we what we have is a really special setting. It's, it's unlike other Christmas markets because it's out in the country mm-hmm. and we're not faking it. It's really, there's a reason why there would be hay out there because there's barns out there. <laughs> And uh, I think it gives a feeling that I actually remember from when I was a kid of, it seemed like back in the 50s and 60s, there was a lot more of that kind of thing. It was like local Mm. communities would have, you know, a barn and hay and vendors and hot chocolate and activities. And that's actually, for me, kind of more the thing we're emulating than a direct Chris Kindle mark. Because it's just, you know, rural life and there are barns, there is hay. There's people looking for something to do, and that's what we're trying to deliver. The smell from the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> There's that even yeah all the all the real stuff, all the authentic authentic stuff. Um, and the alpacas that you have out there. There was uh, my my kids. It was very hard. We were about to go into the tent, 
And uh, we got stuck by the alpacas for about 25 minutes as my kids were insisting that they were going to feed them and the alpacas were not interested in eating from their hand. <laughs> Aren't they the cutest things? That new baby this year, I think is a little, is, is around two months old, that brown one mm-hmm. and the big liquid eyes. And they're kind of fascinating, really, those long necks. Well, and so we should probably tell, for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, I think a lot of folks maybe from Chicago are very familiar with the Christmas market downtown in the city there. That's a great one. And then you know, if people have traveled to Europe and been involved with those, those are kind of the model for this, right? And they're, yes. they're wonderful. Someone who hasn't been there doesn't know what this is. What is this at a high-level overview? So a Chris Kindlemark has, of course, as you can imagine, Christian beginnings. I mean, it is all about Christmas, and there's certain artifacts of um, early Christianity that are still involved. I mean, there's obviously there's a crash, you know, nativity scene and that kind of thing at a lot of them. That's kind of an overt connection. But uh, there's also Chris Kind, who's representing, you know, the Christ child in a, in a young, it's actually, I don't know the exact history of it, but it's a young lady dressed in gold with a headdress and just is, a, you know, like a physical representation of, okay. you know, of the Christian religion. And we have one. We have a, a local girl who's uh, kind of wandering around, engaging people. So that's, you know, that's where they all started in the 1200s or 1300s. And since then, it's become just a standard throughout Europe and in the United States, too, of in the town square or the marketplace or whatever, a bunch of small vendor huts and uh, certain foods, walk around street foods, basically, sausages and that kind of thing, and drinks, uh, specifically glue wine, which... uh, for anyone who knows what Swedish glug is, this is extremely similar, probably the yeah. same, really. It's spices and red wine, and sometimes it's fortified. Ours is not due to various legal authorities. <laughs> and uh, But it's a, it's a delicious drink in music. So the, those are the key elements of a Chris Kindlemark is, is music, food, drink. And now what it's evolved into is products that you're shopping for for Christmas. That's I think that's why most of our guests are there from out of the area, especially. I think locals are coming because it's like, wow, there's something happening right, right now in Northern Door that's kind of cool. The people who come in from Appleton or really far away, actually, we've discovered, they're there because they've been to these things probably or heard about these things, and they have a special Christmassy mood in which you can do your Christmas shopping. Right. It does make you feel like small town and something different than like nothing against. It's, it's funny that I'm saying that, yeah, it's like small town. Like, like we don't all live in small towns up here, right? right. But, um, you know, most people would see any town in Door County as the epitome of small town America, right? So we create a smaller one, like our own little set under the tree, I guess. But the grounds of the historical society all year long are such a unique place to go. I love checking it out. And even though I've done it, over and over. And my parents used to do the farmer's market there for years. So I've been up there a lot, but I still love going through, walking through the barns and checking out the historical photographs and everything that they have there and some of the antiques and these old sister Bay images. But now you have those barns, you have vendors, you have food vendors in there. You've got Scott McAvoy from Culinaria, DC chocolate design, time catering, bunch of great food to just walk around in that main barn. We have Wally's Weenie Wagon, mm-hmm. who has renamed himself for the Chris Kindle marked Walter's Wurstwagen, <laughs> and some other people. We have the Vault in the food barn, which is popcorn, of course, and Uncle Tom's candy. Mm-hmm. So, but three 
primary hot food vendors who everybody knows and loves in Northern Door, plus this year, two food trucks. Okay. 888 Cheese Company, which is gourmet grilled mm-hmm. cheese, and Saver Barbecue, which uh, normally more of a Tex-Mex kind of a meat uh, dishes, in this case, more German. So okay. they're kind of slanting towards our... Nordic needs here. <laughs> We've got a bunch of these little huts. Like the the grounds themselves lend themselves to this because just the huts that are there all year round play very well for what you're doing. These are the old cabins from different places that they've saved over the years in Sister Bay. And then you've built a couple now as well? Well, we, yeah, last year we did. We, Donna Fearing, one of our employees, she enlisted her father in law to build us four smaller huts. They're like maybe four feet, five feet by three feet. So it's room for one person and some products. And that's the first thing you see when you get off the big buses and come to the market is these four huts. And then otherwise, all the buildings are original heritage buildings, like a granary, a summer kitchen, a preacher's cabin, and that kind of thing, a loom house. And in those, there's a single vendor too. And some Mm -hmm. of them have been with us since the first year. I mean, Mm -hmm. they just, you know, they love the event and they keep coming back. So there's like maybe 15 of those buildings with the huts or 16. And then this year we have a gigantic tent. We doubled it in size this year from 30 by 60 to 30 by 120. Hmm. And it's interesting because it just totally transformed, at least in my mind, the shopping experience inside of a tent. Because now it's bigger. It's got a taller ceiling. I was able to give everybody bigger booth spaces so you can shop much more comfortably maybe than you could in the past. And interestingly, some of the vendors are starting to up their game now that they're in this bigger space and they can, you know, have a little, maybe a little canopy tent above their space and decorating, decorating the walls with fabrics and Mm. putting carpets in, which is really lovely to see because it makes the whole thing less like, you know, a new deli kind of a (laughs) market kind of a situation as it felt the first year when the tent was too small into more of an expansive, airy thing. So one thing I'd point people towards, what I'm talking about here is Frickman Gallery has a beautiful uh, situation. Yep, You know, and people are responding. Their booth was always filled throughout the last two weekends as a result. Yeah, I see the Frickman Gallery there, the Woodwalk Gallery, Mary Pat Carlson, like so many local vendors coming out there. Another chance for them to make a few more bucks before the holiday season. And also some folks that you bring in from outside the area with some sort of Door County tie, correct? Yes. Yeah. All of them have some kind of Door County tie. I would say that we've tried really hard to have primarily Northern Door vendors mm-hmm. for this event. And and it's it's largely, a, not entirely, and some of them from out of the area are super popular, like Whimsy Hats mm-hmm. makes these beautiful fur hats that uh, they sell in one of the small cabins that uh, it seems like every other woman is wearing at certain <laughs> points during, during the event. And then we do have a handful, I'd say we have six or seven new vendors this year. This is because the event drew so many people the first year, we had very few vendors drop out in the subsequent years, but occasionally they do for some reason. So we've got six or seven new vendors and there's Ginger House from the settlement shops, for example, and some smaller companies making their own products locally or contracting to make them locally. So we're trying to, you know, not reinvent this thing every year, but to have some consistency and have really good artisans. And I I think we have that. 
yeah, as one who puts on events myself, like having some something that's the same so you can build on it without having to change too much is, is the way to go. A couple other things that I think people should know about is Allison Evans Photography is there doing like family portraits. We happen to get one yes. when we were there. That was pretty cool. And then uh, Maps by Sophie. And Sophie Parr, if you pick up a, the latest edition of Door County Living Magazine, there's a great feature on her with some great photography in there and, and great examples of what she does in the, the winter edition of Door County Living Magazine. Sam Watson did a great job on that story. But she's got a, a little hut of a, these very intricate maps of mostly Door County places, but also other places that she hand draws. And, you know, she's got a, a background in public transportation and, and creation of trails and maps. And she's parlayed that into this like art endeavor. That's really cool. She's an amazing artist and her gallery is beautiful. She's got one of the individual buildings, a white cottage, formerly probably in sister Bay someplace. I forget which probably Liberty Lodge, probably Liberty. Could be wrong on that. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think you're right on that. And, you know, just talking about Allison Evans, it's so funny. It's like, she contacted me last year and said she wanted to be involved and do we have a space for and we didn't have any space at all. Everything, everything was booked. And I said, well, if, you'll, you know, if you're willing to do the chicken coop, we've got a space for you. So she took the chicken coop. Yeah. We cleared out all the <laughs> chicken paraphernalia and the nesting boxes and the straw. And she's turned it into a beautiful little studio. Yeah. So when you have your picture taken, you think you're you know, in a very different setting than you are. You're yeah. inside a chicken coop. And there's a bunch of fire pits out there. You've got... Heaters going in all the barns and the tents, which I assume is up to fire coat. <laughs> of course it is, Miles. Um, Why would you even bring that up? And then there's music going. Who's the DJ that was playing on Saturday? So that's uh, a guy who's been with us for two years now. That's DJ David Watkins. Yeah. And he's married to a, to a local girl, one of the Sills girls, and has come to Door County from Los Angeles, I think over a year ago or two years ago. And uh, has a special. He, he does a couple of things. He's a magician, and he's also a DJ with old vinyl. So in our case, because it's a Christmas market, he's poured through his collection and is playing really old Christmas tunes. I mean, yeah. and some that you might know, Nat King Cole, and that kind of thing sure. too. But largely things that you haven't heard of, which I think is wonderful. You know, it's like you know they're Christmas, but you just haven't heard them before. Yeah. Um, people were loving it when we were there. And then also in the Anderson barn or the Anderson house, the old house that uh, David Lee and the guys saved 30 years ago or right. so, and uh, really was a start of this whole complex. Uh, and there's a great story there. But that house is where the historical society is selling a lot of baked goods. And yes. we walked in there and one of my, my boys' teachers from daycare had been Judy Steger was making all the cookies. Great to see the familiar faces. And that's one of the cool things about an event like this is walking around and seeing all these business owners that are your, your friends and neighbors and people you grew up with all in one spot hanging out, whether it's Matt and Jocelyn from the Woodwalk or Cole and Kara from DC Chocolate and on and on and on. But then all the locals who come out, you know, like people tend to think of all these things as for tourists or kitschy for tourists. But you know, when I go down to Marina Fest or if I go to this or there's so many of the events, 4th of July, it's a great spot to see all these friends in one spot yes. for me as a, as a resident. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, both of the, both. it's interesting you should say that because both the events that I've been involved with over the years in, say, the last 10 years, Uncork Summer was one up at Wickman House for many years, a food event. And now this one, just I'm, I feel so happy and kind of proud 
that they do draw locals, you know, who might be mm-hmm. a little more jaded about some of this tourist stuff. Yeah. And they come out because they're they're good events regardless of whether there's tourists there or not. And, I mean, Uncork sort of became a Ellison Bay, hey, good to see you again kind of a right. party for people. And the Christmas market, I can't tell you how many people I see who I know, some well, some casually, but all locals, lots of locals, returning more than once over a weekend. I mean, yep. it's really good to see any grounding in the off-season, especially, that brings locals together. Yeah. That feels yep. good. Yeah, it's a great experience. I should also mention the the Peach Barns there with their beer garden with a special Christmas beer, right? Thank you. Yeah. They, you know, we we approached them and they were very interested. There's not much else going on at Peach Barn at this time of year. And one of the first things that Jason White said was, hey, we're going to develop a beer just for you guys. So it's called uh, Christmas in Door County. It's a Christmas ale. It's a little dark. And uh, he also went and had one of his employees, Shane, design a can for it. So they're selling cans of it. It's uh, at Main Street Market. It's at Peach Barn when they're open. And it's at the Christmas Market. And then they also sell that on tap, too. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. It's a cool looking can. It's a it's a good beer. I had one. Yep. Always love the stuff from Peach Barn. The other thing about this, and I think Door County in general, you know, I think like 15 years ago, I'd written a column about just how disappointing it was how few places were like decorating for the holidays anymore. And as a kid, I always loved that. And it just seemed like it waned a lot in the 90s and early 2000s and, and people just weren't doing it. And we weren't really doing much around the holidays up here. And I was like, well, yeah, no wonder nobody comes up here. Like what, you know, I, I never thought it would be anything like what you've done with Chris Kindle Market, but I thought, hey, we could get a few more people up here if we put a little effort in to decorating and stuff. And now that's really come around and you guys do it at the grounds of the Historical Society, tons of Christmas lights and stuff. Yep. But even all through Sister Bay, all the lights and the businesses getting into it, drove through Sturgeon Bay and some of those places did a really incredible job, especially on Third Avenue. Third Avenue Playhouse has this incredible, they got like a Christmas displays in every window. It's <laughs> pretty wild yeah. if you've seen it. But yep. I love seeing that and the, just kind of the spirit and energy it brings because it was, you know, once Fall Fest rolled by in 2005, it was tumbleweeds oh, for yeah. months and months and months. And then we had a recession. I'll always remember that. Yeah. Like once you hit 2006, 7, 8, 9, there was a three or four year stretch there where, you know, I always joked that you could roll bowling balls down 42 <laughs> from the bowl and not hit anyone. It was like that for yeah. years, it felt like. And when I rolled into Sister Bay after picking up my Christmas tree on Saturday, and we're coming up to my house, and we go come down the hill, and the parking on both sides of the road was full. Right. The street parking, yep. you know, from Al's up the hill. And that wasn't even at the market. This is just a spillover from the, the Chris Kendall market. And that certainly would not be the case on a Saturday in 2005 in December. Yep. The, you know, putting on my other hat here of, uh, you know, being a local business owner that's involved in tourism, the thing that gives me personally, in addition to the joy I think this event brings to people, 
is the fact that it can have this uh, out-of-season commercial on impact on local businesses that have struggled for years. If you want to stay open in the mm-hmm. winter, it was kind of like, why would you? There's no one here anyway. Yeah. So to bring people in like this and maybe extend the season a little bit, I feel really, really good about, and I hope uh, it continues. I mean, not to make, you know, to the horror of some people who think there's already enough tourism. It's tough to be a Door County business owner, in my opinion, to be a yeah. small business owner, whether it's retail or restaurants or whatever, and any shot in the arm that they can be given increases the chances they're going to be there in the summer, which is exactly. what everybody loves. Or Tuesday in March, you know, like when we're all complaining that nothing's open or the, or we want to meet with somebody or take our parents out and there's no place to take them. Like some of the detractors don't really recognize that like, all right, it's never probably going to be profitable in March and April. But if you can make a little bit more money in December, it starts to make sense to stay open just because if you can stay open through February, you might as well keep people employed. You know, there's a right. lot of, of that action going on. And that's how we used to think about in business too. You know, as much as people will, you know, express their anger at tourism or, and I think we all have that concern of like, what what's the line and how do we make sure we preserve things? But I, I don't know that many business owners becoming millionaires unless they sell their property. Right. And when they do that, they're probably just paying off the note they have on it. So they're not, yep. like people aren't, they're not high on the hog up here if you're in business for the most part. <laughs> I totally agree. I, you know, I think people have a misconception when you see the businesses, even locals do, you see the businesses and how busy they are in the summer. And then you think, oh, that's, you know, boy, they're really making bank. That is, I mean, very untrue. Most people up here are until, like you said, until they cash out in some way, sell the business, sell the property or whatever. It is a difficult place to stay in business. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'd rather talk about it in that context. That's probably a whole other show. <laughs> but talk about it in that context rather than uh, there's too much going on, it's too busy, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, the, the one of the things I always say to people who say that kind of thing is to kind of challenge them like, well, how would you like Sister Bay? You love Sister Bay. You're living here. You love the lifestyle. What if Al Johnson's was the only restaurant or Al's in the bowl or Al's in Husby's, whatever. What That's that, the reality that of no tourism. That's what it would be like. What if that beach didn't exist? That's right. also the reality. Like, right. <laughs> what if we put the telephone poles back up? <laughs> what if there is no place to go shopping? Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, no on deck, you know? Well, and you talk about that recession year, those couple of years from 05 to 2012, you talk about no place to go shopping. Literally the on deck location was empty for an entire summer. The chop location, the hotel door location was empty for like 15 years. The top of the hill was for sale. People complain about the condos on the top of the hill. That was available for someone to buy and do anything with. That was offered to the historical site. That was offered to different places. And people didn't take it. We were that low, you know. And I, I think people just walk into whatever they, you know, if they bought in town three years ago, they think that that was always there. And it was it was so hard for a solid 15 years in Sister Bay. It took years for Sister Bay to develop to the point it's at right now. You've seen it. I've seen it. There's a lot of pain along the way. I mean, at one point... A lot of people went out of business. A lot of people went bankrupt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can... Without naming them, I mean, there's quite a few. You could name several... People went bankrupt at some of the primest properties in the village of Sister Bay. Yep. And it was because there wasn't enough traffic and, you know, various other reasons, the yep. economy, et cetera. At one point in what is now the Village Exchange, Mitch Larson's on-deck location in Sister Bay, I, and actually Dave Elliott was working with yeah. me then, and, and Madeline Harrison was. Yeah. That was the beginnings of uh, the company that I'm involved with now, Door Guy Publishing. 
we had half that building as our office space. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, it's much better as an on-deck location. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. put it that way. <laughs> Probably better ceilings, too. Yeah, um, right, right. <laughs> um, you know, I was just talking to David Lena, who is the county board chairman, who is the president of Sister Bay for seven years from 2013 to 2020, and was on the board from 08 to 2020. And he was calling because he was announcing that he was not going to run for county board again. And so anybody wants to run in uh, Sister Bay, Liberty Grove area, there's an open seat. And the, but what we were talking about as we were chatting and his time on the board and his time in local government and politics up here. And he mentioned like, what, what is he proudest of is Sister Bay. But he's, he mentioned that like there was a time when we did not know if it was going to pan out. I mean, for several years, I mean, they started that waterfront development project in 2007, 2008. And as of like, in 2014-15, when the state was coming in and redoing the highway at the same time that the village was trying to get people to invest, I mean, people forget that. I think Wild Tomato bought the Sister Bay Cafe and just sat on it for a year because the highway project was coming in. And they didn't, I, I believe I re- remember this correctly, but I don't even think they did anything in there for a long time. And that's how under the water Sister Bay was in terms of like the economy. And, and, and that's just... It, it looked at too. Oh it yeah, re- it really looked at. You know, it's I, I, I knew Dave well back then and up to, up till now. And I remember Dave telling me during that time period, you know, where the recession was happening, how many pieces, how many parcels of property were available in Sister Bay commercial that were just sitting there, you know, yeah. unfilled. And then there became a point. It was many years later where there was like one left. You know, and yeah. it was some weird one, some weird little sliver. That was a grueling process. And actually, that's another show, too, because I think you could do a show about Dave Lino and just the impact he had on Sister Bay because mm-hmm. he took some mighty risks. Yeah. And they paid off. Well, him and Denise Berto, Kenny Church, Peter Trenchard, Sharon Dorshing, Andrew Knocker, a lot of those board members who said it was during the recession when they said, we're going to buy Helms for $5 million. And then maybe one day, 20 years from now, we'll be able to buy the Isles property. Well, it came up two years later. And they said, you know what? We got to do it. And you think of how hard that decision must have been to leverage yourself to give, you know, using the phrase from the the mayor of Charleston, uh, to give the best of the city to everybody. I wouldn't have the guts to do it. I'll just say it flat out. I'm a big proponent of what Sister Bay did with their waterfront. And I use it almost daily (laughs) in my life now. I don't think I would have had the guts to say we're going to lay out $11 million. That group, we're going to trust it. That group of people uh, are exemplary in believing in the future of Sister Bay and the future of Door County and, and the strength of tourism. You know, all of these things are fairly recent developments. That's, you know, I've lived here since the very early 90s. And man, Door County 30 years ago was a different place. And Sister Bay was a very different place. I don't know if you remember this. And, and you work with Al Johnson a lot. When they started the beer garden, people were like, I wonder if that'll work. You're going to move a little hut out there and start serving beer outside next to Al Johnson's in the grass. Like, all right, you're going to put up a couple of Connect Four games and some beanbags and see what happens. I mean, that's that's where we were, is that that didn't, like now it's like, of course that's going to be great, right? Right. But that was a real question mark of whether that would take off. And Al's, the folks there, were like, they invested very slowly in it at first just to, hey, we can't lay a ton out on this. And then it goes nuts, and it's just as popular as the restaurant. You know, it's like everything in business. It, it took some people with real vision, and in that case, it was Freddie Bexell, mm-hmm. who, you know, had that vision to see that building as a centerpiece of a bar, 
and then expand it into an actual bar and make it a kind of like, not so much a drinking spot as how I think it's the board. It's more like a fun family outdoor spot. Yeah. You know, it's not just, a, it's not like a tavern exactly. It's more a place to hang out and have fun with friends. Well, you know, you and I both, we have a lot of conversations with folks in the in the theater world and stuff. And I was just talking to Julie Gilbert at Destination Door County yesterday. And there's a struggle for the performing arts and the arts in general to bring people back in. COVID was a, this crushing thing because obviously, oh, 700 people inside a building. Tough, tough sell, right? And there's still some after effects of that. But what also happened at the same time is people said, what have we got to do? Well, we can gather outside. And what people found out is they really liked gathering outside, even after COVID. And yes. if you look at Door County, you're like, how did we not have all these outdoor spaces before? And you see what JR did at Chives with expanding his patio and the outdoor food trucks. And you see it at Peach Barn and their outdoor space and the and Door County Brewing Company and Sway and One Barrel and almost any restaurant worth anything invested in more outdoor space. So now what you have are, you know, if you're sitting at, and this is, it is not meant to knock the arts at all. We're incredibly fortunate to have them. But if you're sitting there and you've got a couple of kids and you're at in a beer garden on a sunny day and you you know the sunset's coming to put on a show in 45 minutes, do you want to go inside, you know, and sit in a seat and pay a babysitter? Like, it's, it's prevent, and, and we'll solve that at some point, but it's presented a different sort of challenge to how do you, how do you sell the arts to people who are now used to sitting outside and, and doing these things in this, like, open family setting. You know, it's it's funny because I often challenge people when we're talking about restaurants and because we publish the dining guide, of course, and and what's happened with dining al fresco, it is easier to name the very few restaurants that don't have outdoor dining or drinking than it is to name all the ones that do because they almost all do, you yeah. know, at this point, especially in Sister Bay. Think of this. Al Johnson's four decades, the busiest restaurant in Door County, didn't have a single outside seat. Not one. Until they built that that beer garden next door, yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, I mean, yeah. When we were running Husby's from '99 to '03, our outdoor deck, I believe that might have been the only outdoor dining other than Pete D'Amico always had a grotto with his little pizza shop because the pizza shop was a freaking postage stamp. And then I think uh, Dordelli had like two tables out front or something. Right. That was about it for yeah. outdoor dining. It's pretty mind blowing. In at Christopher's, had no outdoor dining as probably the best restaurant in the county at the time. And sitting there staring at the lake, literally a short two-year-old stone's throw from the water. <laughs> and, and you couldn't sit outside. And it, it's, it's amazing how much we flipped. I think we all, we all assumed, or I think this is my head anyway, well, it's Wisconsin. You know, it's cold or it's going to be raining or snowing or whatever. And it's like it was so untrue. I mean, you can do al fresco much of the year in Door County. It turns yeah. out we have weather that accommodates it. It turns out people are willing to go to an old barn and walk through and pick up some food to go and walk around outside next to a fire in December. And for for all of the complainers out there, that's why we don't have much seating. Because <laughs> you can grab some street food and wander around, basically. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you just think of how how different that dynamic is. And it, it really is only a, you know, at best, a six, seven, eight-year-old dynamic, but really flourished kind of in the heart of COVID. So you're talking about three years of that. Right. And it's, and it's really changed what, what we think of a Door County experience is. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, just to bring it back full circle, because we could go on to nine other topics and we probably would if I let this go. (laughs) So 
Chris Cato Market, what are your hours? Where do people need to park? What do people need to know if they want to come up and check it out in this last weekend? So Chris Kindle Market is open this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 8th, 9th, and 10th. The hours on Friday and Saturday are 11 in the morning to 6 in the evening and 11 to 3 on Sunday. And talking about parking, that's been one of our biggest struggles, uh, not to have parking spaces, but to get people to understand you can't park on the surrounding roads or on Highway 57. And so we've engaged, you know, we've engaged everybody from the state to the village to the sheriff's department who have all been great partners in helping us manage that situation. So there's, you'll see temporary police order, no parking signs everywhere and roped off areas. That's because it's dangerous if you're from out of the area to park in these places, you know, it's, it's very uh, dark roads. There's it's not street dark lighting. roads. You're, you're not familiar with the train and the park on 57 in particular, which people did until we got yeah. it posted last weekend or two weekends ago is extremely dangerous. The, mm-hmm. the traffic goes at 55 miles an hour. You open up your car door, it could be a real disaster. Yeah. And so I would really encourage people to please take the park your car if you have a car up at uh, one of the three lots, they're at Stella Maris Catholic Church, First Baptist Church, and at uh, the former ShopGo lot behind Sub Express. Park there. I mean, you won't wait more than 20 minutes, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think we, we have enough buses that I can sort of guarantee that. And then if you're staying at a local hotel, you just take a shuttle that takes you directly to the market. And you don't even have to get into a car. Yeah. So we're trying to increase the flow and not have people waiting around the cold. Yeah. So. Well, kudos to you for investing in all that too, because I, I we do it too for a lot of our events, and uh, it's no small chunk of change to get all those buses and run them all day like that. So, thanks for doing that. And then, of course, at two o'clock on Sunday, it's free beer, free glue wine. All products are given away. Oh, of course, yeah, that's a tradition <laughs> we've established here. And uh, oh, and by the way, for for local parents on Saturday, Charlie Eckert will be bringing his concert band from one to three in Excellent. the tent. We put it inside the tent at one end, so they have lots of space to play in. And then from three to four thirty, the elementary choir is going to be seen in the same location in the tent. And for anybody who's interested in being involved with the Chris Kindle Market, if you have some way that can help us connect to the local community better, would love to hear it, whatever Excellent. it is. Oh, is Santa there this weekend at all? Santa is there. He's there on Saturday from 1 to 4, possibly even 5. Excellent. Yep. Glad he can squeeze it in. Uh, busy man. Yes. Uh, John, thanks again for joining us. It was a great conversation. Always love talking about Door County economy and, and culture with you. And love the Chris Kindle Mark. So thanks again. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com.